know what a Mac is, right? Do you know, I do, and then, but I only, like, I don't know it. If, like, if you asked me to tell all the specs of an EMAC, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. I, I, I could vaguely recall what one looks like. Okay. Well, do you know, yeah. that, like, you know, we have iMac, of course. And mm-hmm. and iMac was around, and then the EMAC was, a, like, a thing, too, at the same time. It was time. meant for, I, the E's for education, right? It was, like, the school, the idea exactly. would be the school computer, right? Yeah, it's kind of like whenever um, the configurations of current Macs in, like, the last 10 years would be sold on the education store. Or, like, there'd be, like, certain configs that you can only get through the education store. Like that um, half-size MacBook Air they sold for a while, the, the the 128 one, when they only had the old MacBook Air around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was... Um, it, but, but yeah, you're like, e, e for Education, of course. Um, it's from 2012, excuse me, 2002. Um, and it was... It's, it's an alternative to Apple's second-gen LCD iMac G4. So it's basically a cheaper G4. Um, and and this is like before Intel, all that it was PowerPC, uh, but again, you know, it, it looks like a small television set. <laughs> it's it's that style <laughs> of, of 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 iMac, you know, slash. It iMac. looks like the old skeuomorphic YouTube icon app icon on the iPhone. It it does, and it's all yeah. white, and it's got a little porch on the sides. You know, it's it's uh, it's that's what it is. And today, I was in uh, South Texas on the beach for a SpaceX event this evening. And it was randomly an E-Mac on the beach on top of a sand dune. Wait, I thought you'd brought it with you. Mm, no, I did not bring that with me. That was When you tweeted it, when you tweeted the photo, I was like, oh, someone, you know, someone must have brought it with you or whatever. Or it was like a joke. And then I didn't nope. realize it was just there on the beach. No, it was just there on the beach. Uh, and That's hilarious. It had condensation in it. So, like, you know, it had gotten a little bit wet from, from the weather. Someone said that it had been there at least since last Friday. So nearly a week. <laughs> don't don't know, but I, that's why I put in. That's why like I'm thinking it was like the new monolith because this is random Emacs appearing. Um, it's not the worst, um, like environmental trash, you know, that it, you see on a beach. It's, it's prettier I mean, than a lot of stuff. Yeah, CRTs are pretty bad, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I had a cool picture of that and uh, with with you know an actual like rocket behind it. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah, that was cool. Yep, so that, that's to start us off with. Uh, you have actual news. I mean, that was actual too, actually happened, <laughs> but... but uh, no, I love the random EMAC in the forest, don't me, me too, it's like... No. Uh, I, I mean, if I ever see a random Mac, it would definitely be a segment on the show, but... I, I so tell far, you... Yeah. Enjoy. I tell you what, if any listeners find a random EMAC out in the wild, let us know. Send us a picture. Any old any old Mac, Power PC, if you see it randomly, tweet us, we love it. That's right. One more thing. My, my college... So EMAC went away in 2005, so it was just 2002, 2005... My college in two thousand nine slash ten, we had Emacs as like the latest computers that the college had for journalism school, and Emacs ran whatever version of Mac OS ten, like Tiger or something. That it it had Internet Explorer as the browser, so it was is bad. <laughs> that is that is a blast from the past, right? Yes, now. yeah. So on on to your Dutch dating news. What's what's the, in this third <laughs> week in a row? What's what's going on? Yeah, there? I know this is the new saga, isn't it? So again, there was an update on the terms that Apple and the Dutch government are trying to agree on on how dating, specifically dating apps in the Netherlands region, are allowed to offer alternative payment systems, as we talked about on previous episodes. Uh, the ACM authority wrote out a load of requirements that Apple would have that all uh, smartphone manufacturers would comply by, 
Uh, and so obviously Apple's you know, one of the biggest in the Netherlands and something similar was rolled out to Android at the end of last year, but Apple was dragging their feet. And then at the beginning of 2022, Apple announced the intent to offer the external purchase system where you'd have to make a separate app binary and you'd have to choose if you want to offer external in-app external purchase links so a link out to the web or an in-app third-party payment system uh, nat- natively and that was kind of like register for interest we'll let you know soon and the dutch wasn't very happy about it. the dutch uh, administration wasn't happy about that because the court order said it must be enforced from the beginning of the year so apple was late so they got a fine and then a week later they got another fine for drag for not being quick enough and then the, the Friday, about a week ago now, this new document came out where Apple actually allowed people to sign up. They provided more information and clarity and different ter- and a, a full breakdown of the terms of the deal, right? And it's unclear, but the, literally the Monday after Apple's Friday announcement, uh, the Dutch administration fined Apple again for non-compliance. But it almost seems like they're working like offset from each other, like the the Dutch order kind of talks about things that isn't in the this current release as if they're getting like a heads up ahead of time, but it's still they're still not happy with it, so they get fined. Meanwhile, Apple's like <laughs> lagging. Like it's a weird situation because the, the Dutch statement doesn't quite correlate with the thing Apple literally re- announced two days ago, and it's unlikely, um, you know, the, the Dutch government came to a decision on what was literally posted on that Friday, right, two days later. So there's some weird timeline thing going on there. But at least from our outside perspective, the current document addresses some interesting factors that we weren't told about before right so that one of the key things of the uh the dutch order was that apps should have the choice to offer an external uh, a third-party payment system in the app uh, a link out to the web to buy or to use apple's in a purchase system and the number one like item on this distributing dating apps in the netherlands document is you must choose from Apple is a developer must choose their entitlement type and they can choose either external purchase entitlement or external purchase link entitlement. So from the very offset, the very first paragraph is already defying what the ACM have said they require in that an app should be able to offer either of these options. Apple's like, no, for some reason, you can only have one or the other. So you can either offer a payment system in the app or you can have a link to the web. And then secondly, as long as submitting you know information about the app's name, its description, about how it works... You then have to get approval on the third-party payment system that you intend to use. Apple calls this the payment service provider, or PSP, not the Sony PSP, <laughs> the PSP. And there's requirements there, including like a, a commitment that the PSP will have privacy, security, and fraud prevention services. They must support broad payment options, including cards, IDEAL, which I don't know what that is, IDAL, and Apple Pay. So one of the requirements to even be a valid third-party payment processor is you must buy Apple Pay. It must have subscription billing capabilities, and it must have the ability to pay commission directly to Apple at the developer's request, which we'll get to in a minute. So, you know, you've already got one step. Then you've got a second step where Apple has to agree that the the third-party payment system you're going to use is acceptable on security terms and stuff. Then if you're doing the external link to the web, you're only allowed one link one link for your entire application in terms of the URL that the destination is because the URL is basically baked into a like an, a, a configuration file that you submit with the app, right? So you can't have you can't shoot off to this part of the website depending on the context of your application. You can only go to a single destination URL. 
and Apple says that link cannot include any parameters. So it can't include any things in like the query string. It can't include any user data along with the session. It has to be a single static link, which maybe at first glance is like, well, whatever. It's, you know, you're just going to link to the person's the, the, the company's website if they want to buy out on the web, right? But if it if it's the same static link for everyone, you're not going to be able to pass along any context like what the user's account is, what the username is, where they are, what product they're actually currently looking at to buy. Because if you're only putting one single link, basically you're going to get sent to the homepage of the developer's website or the third-party payment provider, and they're going to have to, uh, have to ask you again for all of this information because there's no way for the app when it's linking out to the web to be able to tell that stuff. So right. that's a big hurdle because it's going to put so much friction on the actual checkout process, right? Because they're going to have to ask you all these questions just to know what you were trying to buy in the first place. Like Safari, for example, hides so much of the URL after the dot whatever. And much of the information is, is slashed after that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's what, you know, it's clean, but, but there's so much information that makes modern browsing what it is because there's so much information after that. And that's what you can't have here. Yeah, like say if you were, um, and and reader apps are going to apply to a different rule, right? Because that's part of the Japanese settlement. But for, let's imagine there's a dating app in the Netherlands. So Tinder is the obvious app, right? Tinder has multiple options. You've got like Tinder Gold, you've got Tinder Plus, you've got Tinder Boost. Well, if you've only got one URL you can ever send one to to the web, the, you're going to have to take them to like a landing page, which then ask them again what product do they want to buy. So, you know, that's a huge barrier to entry right there. Makes sense. Then also, before you even send them out to the web or you present the internal purchase UI, you then have to show a Apple-mandated modal that basically scares you away from clicking continue because basically it pops up this full screen sheet that says this app does not support the app store's private and secure payment system (laughs) all purchases in the app will be managed by the developer your stored apple app store payment method and related features such as subscription management refund requests will not be available only purchases through the app store are secured by apple and then there's continue and cancel so before you even get to the website, you have to agree to that modal, not once, every single time you want to make a purchase or change your payment information. Mm-hmm. And Pretty harsh. I get what they're going for, but it feels like they've way overstepped the boundary of what you could call like reasonable user safety and privacy into just being annoying to be annoying and to disincentivize developers from doing it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, Especially that paragraph where it's like, this app does not support the App Store's private and secure payment system. That's not saying it, but it's so implying that where you're going is going to be insecure. <laughs> like, well, even, and, even mentioning refund requests, it sounds like if you don't use their method, then you're not going to be able to get refunds, which it's actually, it's, 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 you get better refund requests if you're not in the yeah. app store. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're a developer, you have to basically, if a customer says you wanting a refund, you just have to defer them to Apple to go to their support flow to right. get a refund. Whereas if you're just on the website, they have direct control. So, yeah, like part of that paragraph <laughs> is just misleading and maybe untrue. Yeah, like it's, it's it's not great. And then after all of these hoops, you then obviously get to the commission agreement, <laughs> which is set at a very a very generous twenty seven percent. And that's without the promise of like lowering to half the way that thirty goes to fifteen after a year, right? It's just, mm-hmm. it's just you can save three percent this way. Yeah, and the the thirty to fifteen is for small business developers, right? Sure. So that's people who make under a million dollars a year. So it's a match group or subscriptions after a year, right? So if you're a subscription customer for more than one year, 
your rate of commission goes down to 3015 but this document here doesn't say anything about that it just says apple will charge a 27% commission on the price paid by the user net of vat tax and of course there are many reasons why a company wants to use an alternate payment system to apples but by far the leading number one reason is apple system costs too much money and all of this monopoly stuff is all about the fact that apple's supposedly charging insanely high rates because there's no competition right like so this option is like it's very defeatist and like you know Apple's following well, they're not even following the letter of the law because as we already said, some of the some of the points defy what the ACM has required. But, you know, in general, they're following the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law, obviously, because this is not going to incentivize any competition. Because a three percent drop from thirty percent it's not enough to cover payment processing fees, let alone the support burden of all these additional things, let alone the auditing, reporting requirements customer acquisition cost i.e how much more difficult it will be to get convince a user to click through those dialogues go to the website find the right thing buy the product return to the app versus just pressing one button for an app purchase like if this is the direction that legal groups want to go they need to formulate these orders very differently because a 27 percent commission is going to do nothing like nobody's going to adopt it there's no going to be no no commission the payment systems could be the greatest payment systems in the world but you need to have a discount of more than 3% to make it even break even, mm-hmm. right? Like, nothing else is going to matter. So the whole thing is a bit of a mess. And the commission thing is no surprise because, you know, back at the Epic trial last year, Tim Cook said that very thing. We featured it on this show. He was asked about why is in purchase required? And he's like, well, if they didn't use in purchase, we'd have to find another way to collect our commission. And so far, their way is a developer is just required to submit a report every month. 15 days after the end of the month tell them how much sales have gone through and then pay a little check off yeah i should also say that although apple still does not seem to be in compliance with the dutch order they do seem to be rushing this out a bit because some some of the like some of the points are like okay because we're not ready yet you have to do this but as soon as we're ready and the uh, and the apr is available you must do this instead for instance that payment modal sheet you know the thing that tells them that their external purchase is very insecure and terrible. For the initial release, that payment sheet is has to be developed by each application, designed, implemented to match Apple specification, but there's no like API in the framework to say present this sheet, right? <laughs> but what Apple says is Apple is developing a new Stalker external purchase API that will provide the in-app modal sheet by the system, uh, but this isn't currently available. So when it comes available, you must adopt it by submitting the next update of your app within 30 days. So basically, they're trying to avoid getting fined again by pushing this out the door, but all the infrastructure isn't actually ready yet, which is kind of funny because, you know, most things you see Apple do, they're prepared, they're ready, it's all done in one go, you know, unilaterally, whereas this is kind of like rushing to get it out the door. Uh, or dragging, or dragging holes their feet. In, yeah, dragging their feet and leaving holes behind. And even still, with all of that out of the way it still clearly doesn't actually meet what the Dutch government asked them to do. So presumably next week we'll be talking again about a different uh, set of regulations that are, or complaints that the Dutch have about the system. So it's a bit, very weird scenario. Mm. And all, I, all, all of this is sort of, uh, it's because it's going to the app store. So if, if, if regulators want to regulate the app store, this is what we're going to get. And it would all be avoided if there was, you know, the Mac style 
management of apps where mm-hmm. you can go through the Mac App Store or you can go through the web. Because Apple could never have these requirements for something through the web. It just they couldn't it wouldn't be possible. It, it would be fair market rates, you know? Yeah. Like clearly the thirty percent status quo at the moment is unsustainable and it's gonna get buffeted one way or the other, whether it takes two years or five years, it's clearly gonna change. And I welcome that competition because I don't think it's I don't think it's right that Apple can just set a price for their entire platform and then have no competition to even fight against it, right? So they either have to, you know, voluntarily re- reduce the commission down to a rate that people find acceptable enough they don't want to start up lawsuits and, you know, legal monopoly charges, or they open up to alternative app stores or stuff, or the option that they're currently doing is do nothing and basically do the bare minimum every time there's a legal request to do it. So I, you know, prefer if they'd gone a different option, because, like, for me, as a, a member of the Small Business Programme, my all my stuff's charged at fifteen percent, not thirty, and fifteen percent is not. I, w- I don't want to say fair per se because what's fair, but it feels a lot more reasonable than twice the price of commission. And if you were going by this third party payment system thing, it's really twelve percent because Apple's accounting for three percent payment processing fees. So I don't know. Like we'll 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 check in again when this inevitably gets rebuffed by the Dutch and there's a new there's a new uh, wrinkle on the situation. Just to compare, Google's said. Uh, in Korea, that they will let other apps offer payment systems inside the app, and they will take eleven percent commission when they normally take fifteen percent. Because for most of their things now, they're moving to fifteen percent flat rather than the fifteen percent thirty percent tiered thing. But their discount is four uh, percent compared to Apple's three percent. So you, <laughs> even on that basis, Apple was like, "We're going to see what Google do." You know what? Four percent—that's too generous. We're about three percent off. <laughs> so yeah, it's a it's a situation. Happy Hour this week is sponsored by Trade Coffee. 90% of coffee from the grocery store is actually stale. So get out of your usual routine and stop buying it. Instead, let Trade Coffee send you something that's freshly roasted. No matter how you love to drink coffee, Trade Coffee makes it easy to brew your best cup at home. Available at drinktrade.com slash happy hour. Trade sells the freshest, roastest, roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you as often as you like, whole or ground beans. Trade's coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts and use technology to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. So take their coffee quiz to get started. They guarantee you'll love your first bag or they'll replace it for free. Their subscription is no hassle. You can easily skip shipments, change your delivery frequency or cancel at any time. Now, Zach, I know you took their coffee quiz, right? That's right, yeah. And it's only eight questions, which is awesome if you want to do this quickly. And um, they have a really good set of questions that if you think, you know, even even these questions won't apply to me, they do. Um, so for me, I'm, you know, they pick out what I like, which is that I usually use a pod machine, um, that I like smooth flavors, and um, that I, you know, prefer not to start from, you know, whole beans. <laughs> you know, I want the, kind of the, the quicker solution. And they consider all that. And so they recommend this week uh, Greater Goods from Austin, Texas. So um, it's it's a specific coffee that's won some awards, and um, it's nice that they have things that are pretty close to you. Because, for example, this week I'm I'm in Texas, and they're they're recommending something that's nearby, but also applies to the to the answers that I gave to the quiz. So it's pretty good. Yeah, it's cool. And for our listeners right now, Trade Coffee is offering a total of twenty dollars off your first three bags when you go to drinktrade.com slash happy hour to get started take their quiz at drinktrade.com slash happy hour and start your journey to a perfect cup 
One more time, that's drinktrade.com slash happy hour for $20 off your first three bags. Thanks to Trade Coffee for sponsoring the show. All right, next up is this story that was a report from Mark Herman of Bloomberg a few weeks ago that we discussed here, which is the idea of Apple turning iPhones into payment terminals, wireless payment terminals for contactless uh, payments, you know, presumably Apple paying, you know, included. And um, that was sort of the, the story. And uh, sort of out of the blue this week, it became an official announcement from Apple that, that later this year, um, likely meaning this spring before WWDC, that Apple was going to start this tap to pay on iPhone service. So what's that all about? Yeah, and when we were talking about this as a rumor, it was kind of positioned as a, like a competitor to what Stripe's doing. But I think I said on the show, like, that sounds kind of weird to me because what Stripe does is more than just offering the actual like bit of hardware that takes the payment. It has this entire infrastructure for small businesses to take payments, do invoicing, you know, payroll, receipts, all this stuff. And it didn't really seem like Apple's heart would be in a solution or a service that offered all of that stuff. It just didn't really seem like something that Apple would have any interest in because there's not enough money to be made there compared to the scale (laughs) of their business. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what's actually been announced makes a lot more sense because Apple is not competing against Stripe. In fact, Stripe is their hero partner on this. So in this press release, it says Stripe will be the first payment platform to offer tap to pay on iPhone to their business customers, including the Shopify point of sale app this spring and additional payment platforms and apps will be followed later in the year. So basically... The Apple is building in the technology to the hardware and offering an API to select partners that allows somebody to come up with their credit card or debit card, contactless, or their phone, and they just hold it on the top of their device uh, onto the other person's iPhone, and it can accept the payment. So you no longer need Stripe to manufacture the little thing that goes in the bottom of the iPhone or the separate little device where you can scan your card. The iPhone itself can do it all. It can take the payment, but the payment will be processed and received by whatever third-party point-of-sale service system they're using, whether that's Stripe or you know other partners down the road. So Apple's not actually competing with anyone. Yeah, here, third-party payment providers are the hero, starting with Stripe. <laughs> yes! As opposed to the App yeah, Store. Yeah, do you think <laughs> when you have to hold your credit card, do you think it comes up with a big modal saying, this payment method is not secure? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's... Uh, It's obviously a different kettle of fish for sure. This press release definitely has a lot of similarities to the rollout of AirTags and FindMy, right? Where they first off announced the FindMy network, which would be basically this platform for any accessory maker to make something that can report its location in in an encrypted fashion to the FindMy system, so it should open the FindMy app. And then a few months down the road, Apple announced their own offering in terms of the AirTag. So, so you mean that we could see this be for third-party payment systems and then we could see like Apple to or user-to-user payment processing? Or yeah, payments? so obviously like Apple's saying this is like business, right, business partnerships for taking sales in a shop or whatever. I think you could see like Apple Pay Cash by the like iOS 16 maybe if you want, if you want to pay someone quickly by Apple Pay Cash as well as being able to do it through iMessage, you could just like hold your phone onto their phone or hold your card onto their card if they're on Android or something. Like That seems like an obvious extension of the technology, but Apple's just starting with the third-party platform and then they'll move on from there. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you excited to use this when it comes to your country this spring, this fall, this, this year? Well, it <laughs> won't be coming to my country. It's currently US only. I mean, the, the reality is, in the developed world of the United Kingdom and Europe, 
it's a lot easier to pay people <laughs> than <laughs> yeah. it is in America, I think. Like, you know, stuff like Apple Pay or Venmo, it just doesn't have the same it doesn't have the same grip on the market as it does in America because like most of our banking apps you can do like payments between friends for free very simply like they're just built into the same app that you check your balance on or you know for your for your current account or whatever your checking account like. yeah so it doesn't ha- like and, and apple pay cash isn't in the uk or anywhere but the us it would be nice if it was like there are times when it's like oh i wish i could pay someone easily or I wish I could pay like you some money, maybe. I wish you it, could, Apple too. could like yeah. Apple could like trans transiently and transparently handle the processing to international payments it's, and stuff. It's not like, impossible. It's not impossible for them to offer it. They just haven't bothered or they haven't shown the investment to do it. We d- I do see a fair amount of smaller companies using the uh, like Stripe terminals in their shops. Uh, like obviously, it's not it's not generally for the bigger companies. They use like these like Verisign little pad things. Mm-hmm. But if you're in like a you know like a standalone coffee shop or a site or a small corner shop, they tend to have the little stripe things as their point of sale, and they look like things that are attached to the desk, right? And you hold your phone to it. So I don't know if they'd be jumping at the bit to do it through an iPhone, but maybe a future iPad would kind of light this up because a lot of the stripe stuff it just looks like an iPad on a stick, right? And right now, iPads don't have NFC antennas in them. They have the NFC chip, but they don't have the antennas to actually broadcast the signal. So, and we've heard already about like wireless charging coming to the iPad, right? Uh, Philippe Esposito, our colleague, had that story about how Apple was going to probably make a glass Apple logo in the back to be the place where you can wirelessly charge. Maybe they're adding NFC too. So if you want to take a payment on an iPad kind of system, you could have a little iPad mini in the shop, uh, do your, you know, type in your hard, type in the products that they've, they've bought, make a receipt. Uh, using like a Stripe app or something, but then you actually take the payment just by holding your phone or your credit card near the iPad. Like that seems like a an, a, a feasible future direction. What do you think about the the, the fact that uh, Square or Block, if that's what they're calling it now, isn't mentioned anywhere here? Because Square is what you think of when you think of taking credit cards from the iPhone through the headphone jack before and then through the, mm-hmm. through the lightning port. Um, yeah, and obviously like Stripe and everybody else have offered it since, but Square was like the, the first one out the gate, right? Mm-hmm. And they've, they've yeah, got I no mean, rule in all this. They, yeah, they, if you command F and type square, there's no commentary. It's only Stripe only to start with. So mm, maybe there's some bad blood there, maybe a little bit. Maybe they just wanted... It depends really what Apple's requirements are for being a partner, right? Like maybe they wanted a cut. Like it doesn't actually say whether Apple's going to charge to use the service. Yeah, it, se- it seems like um, maybe Square's got the all-in-one thing, like they've got the full stack here, and that Stripe is specifically payment processing. Um, they're you know leaning on Shopify for sort of inventory control, and and that's what Apple might, might like is that it's not a full-on you know competitor, and and they're not partnering with somebody that that they like. Square probably doesn't need this, you know. Yeah, that's true, and maybe like Apple's tactic is we'll start getting everybody else, and then. Square will have to join the party yeah, right, <laughs> at the right. end of the day. Like yeah. that's what they've done in in the past with like media co- media content deals, right? Like if you go way back to the start of the iBook store, they got like the four smaller book publishers, and then that pressured them the major one, Random House, to join. But before the iPad actually came out, so they've definitely they've definitely deployed that tactic before. Yeah, and, and the start of this is like you know talking about small businesses being able to do this just as make commerce easier and of course it isn't just apple pay from the iphone it's contactless payments in general so um like i i end up using contactless payments on my debit card quite often because 
I have my card out and I can swipe it or probably can't swipe it. I can probably put the chip in. But if I see the contactless logo, then I'll at least try to tap it because if it doesn't work, you can kind of pull it off without looking like you were trying to do something that didn't work, <laughs> you know? And then you already have your card in your hand, you put the chip in um, versus on the iPhone, you know, if you try to do Apple Pay and it fails, then you've got to pull your card out to proceed. Um, so, so contactless in general, you know, which makes me think you could probably pay with an Android phone on an to an iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. It, through this. Um, and then, and then the next thing is it, it, maybe in the future, like we, right now you, you really can't in the U S go out to dinner and pay at your table with contactless. Like, um, big, big chains have these little wireless tablet things that they put at your table with menus and you can order from and play games and spend money on. Um, and then you can pay that way, but it's, it's a whole other solution. Um, but you could see like smaller restaurants, I guess that's small business too, that, you know, issued iPhones or, you know, that's the hardware, um, you know, carry that around and, and, um, you know, pay that way at your table contactless. So it was just, hasn't happened before. You know, the initial way in the U S to pay for a dinner at a restaurant through contactless was, um, the open table app <laughs> and that did not get much <laughs> adoption, if any, so. This could this could touch that. And one last thing for me on this story: when I saw the press release, I was uh, struck by the photo they use, where it obviously shows the little tap to pay interface they've got, which is coming in a future iOS release. Uh, and the card that they're paying with, it says "Hold here to pay," and the card is placed on the top, so screen side down, basically where the notch is. And when I think of Apple Pay, I generally think of like you know you you touch your phone to the back of it because you place it on the payment terminal. Um, so I was like, wow, it's actually kind of cool that you can pay from the front and it just looks nicer. It's more elegant that way than having to like hide the card underneath. Yeah. It, uh, it's, but, it's not like wireless charging where it's the magnetic coil specifically in one place. It's, mm. it's, it's more like wireless in that front side, back side, whatever. You could probably pull it off either way. And when they yeah, say, it's like short, it's like short range Wi-Fi. Yeah. And it's, and it's contactless yeah. and they say tap, but you don't have to physically do that either. You can just be in the yeah. vicinity of, yeah. Yeah, so I tweeted that, and a few people were like, you dummy, you can do that with Apple Pay too. You just hold your phone the other way around. And... <laughs> but you wouldn't do it naturally that way. Yeah, you wouldn't do it naturally because you don't want to get your screen all dirty and stuff. Yeah. But for this kind of scenario, it seems like the, the obvious thing. The iPhone says the amount, and it says hold here to pay, and then you put your phone or you put your little card there, and then bing, 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 off it goes. And, so, the, and the, vendor nice. would, the vendor would have their phone in their hand, you know, not side up, lean forward, hold it out, and then that's upside down. Maybe it even would work upside right, that's the word, but... It just would rotate. I don't know. But you're right about that. And it supports iPhone XS, XR or later. That's because they are, they up for an upgraded NFC chip in them, which is not bad. I mean, the iPhone XS came out quite a while ago at this, at this rate. And uh, the customer the, the customer can pay with their iPhone, their Apple Watch, or their contactless debit card or credit card. And presumably that means like iPhone 6, because that's yeah. when Apple Pay was started. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Yep. And then the next thing is an acquisition that Apple made uh, this week, which is a company called AI Music, so Artificial Intelligence Music. And um, you know, this was reported out, that, you know, as these things go, there was no, um, for small companies like this, there was no press release from Apple on this is why we bought this company. Um, you just have to look at what they make and, and see where it could integrate and make some guesses. Um, the thing that I was looking at was, because originally it was just you know, generalized as Apple bought a company that makes artificial intelligence music or music based on AI. Uh, okay, interesting. Um, but they make this thing called the Infinite Music Engine, which is a tool that advertisers seem to use 
to adjust music in different scenarios of advertising so that you have like, I guess like one, I don't know, ad script. And then if it's uh, like on a game, maybe you like the AI makes, um, you know, upbeat music, or if it's like in a more professional environment, then it's something, you know, smoother. Uh, I haven't really seen this implemented, but, but Dunkin' Donuts was a partner of using this. And then the other thing that they use with, I guess the same technology is um, they can adjust music to your heartbeat. That was one example of their AI, um, you know, music intelligence, like what they can do with it. So eh, you look at that and it's like, well, what can Apple do with it? The, the heartbeat thing is interesting because, you know, I, I know you had the idea of like, you know, even making an app of what, what your, your pace is, your heart rate is and suggest music that, that is, you know, appropriate for that. Um, and I'm not so sure that this acquisition is like, let's, let's enhance Apple music with fitness plus or something or Apple watch. But, um, the, the, the other part of it where, well, I don't, I don't really know any of it. Like, why are they doing this? What do you, what do you, yeah. think? What do you think? I think, I mean, you know, I think there's probably like talent acquisition, probably first and foremost, and then the technology they can use in different ways, kind of like how they've integrated Shazam more. I'm sure they could okay. offer like smarter, um, fitness plus like run workouts with your Apple Watch that have dynamic playlists every time you do them or something like that. That would be kind of cool. Maybe there's some places in the system where they just kind of need like anonymous background music to kind of set the scene or something. Uh, the obvious option is like photo memories. And I know I know with iOS 15 they made it so you can actually use your actual music library rather than um, like stock music. But that's to view on the phone though. You can't share it that way because if you, it uses Apple Music, right? And that's to consume, like, in the first way, written memories, you would put some generic, you know, sample, what they have, you know, based on the mood, um, pre-recorded clips there where you're sounding. You could share it as a video. And then with, with the Apple Music integration, it's just that you watch it on your phone and you don't share it because it's, you know, you can only hear the music because you're a member of Apple Music. Yeah, I think when you go to share it, it, like, says, pick a, pick the old music <laughs> to actually share it with. So, and, and. That's not, there's nothing wrong with that, but it would be nice if there was more variety in those kind of things. So maybe this AI music stuff can generate some on-the-fly things to go along with that. Because also, when they pick the music that goes along with the like the content of the slideshow, like yeah, it's kind of like the same theme, but like the exact like beat changes don't match up with the slideshow changing, right? So maybe if you've got fully AI music, you can make something that actually fills in time, and that again fits in with some maybe like algorithmic fitness plus stuff they do down the road or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a cool idea and i'm sure maybe they could even have some apple music integration where if you you just need like it can all of this stuff could just feed into playlist generation recommendations all that kind of thing it, like even if the headline is making music like they're obviously having so much inference and stuff that will feed into apple music in some way even if you're not going to start listening to algorithmic music inside apple music the kind of like algorithms the engine that they use to even determine what pace to work out what to find like maybe if they tagged all of apple music with you know heartbeat pacing or signatures then they can use the AI music algorithm rather than to generate a roti fee soundtrack it can look in the apple music library and pick out exactly matching songs that kind of thing you Mm -hmm. know what i mean Mm -hmm. like there's a big scope there it's a cool like apple hasn't acquired much recently that we've heard about so this is kind of a standout one Mm -hmm. happy hour this week is also brought to you by journey Uh, This month, Happy Hour 95 Mac are giving away Apple's latest iPhone 13 to one lucky reader to help celebrate the launch of their latest line of journey cases from our friends at A-Logic. And you can also save 10% on your case purchase using promo code JOURNEY10. 
Designed to protect, the new Journey lineup of iPhone cases can withstand falls of up to six feet. They're designed to look great on day one and look great a year down the line with beautiful aging. The high-quality leather gets softer over time and it gains a patina effect that gives each case a unique look. Journey cases include minimal branding, so there's no glaring logos to look at. And at just 0.07 inches at the edge, A-Logic Journey cases are some of the slimmest leather cases available for your phone. They also include a built-in array of magnets to conform to Apple's MagSafe standards, enabling a seamless experience with all MagSafe accessories. So you can get 10% off the new Journey cases for iPhone for a limited time using promo code JOURNEY10. That's spelled J-O-U-R-N-E-Y number one number zero journey 10 is the promo code also remember to check the link in the show notes to enter the giveaway for an iphone 13 thanks to a logic and journey cases for sponsoring the show uh, AirTag has a big update today from apple Maybe yes apple's published this document that stella low refused to sign so she she left the company <laughs> it's called an update on AirTag and unwanted tracking uh i i've I don't know how much of this you want to read or reference, but I have a lot of a lot of uh, reactions to what it, what is included in here. Uh, I mean, would you want to start with the way that they? Uh, so the the context is obviously AirTag stalking issues have been in the news. Mm-hmm. Apple up until now has basically been silent, other than re- reiterating the safety stuff that they have included since the beginning of the AirTag. We spoke on the show before. I can't really see much more they can do apart from not sell the product to make it that much safer. Uh, and they've come up with some stuff. And the, what I think is almost more interesting than the stuff is the way they framed it. Do you want to like give a little rundown on how they kind of introduced the press release? Yeah, yeah. And also, just when I when I learned that this was going to be the news that we were covering, um, you know, oh, Apple's doing things to address unwanted tracking on, on AirTag. Okay, cool. Wonder what that is. This this should be pretty meaty. And they do have a long list, but it, but it, you know, just in general. And, I, and this was a, a press re- like a newsroom press release. It wasn't just like a statement to publications and stuff, right? Um, and I was joking about Stella, though, in case you don't know that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking, oh, they might, maybe they've got some like actual changes. This will be interesting. I hope they don't doesn't make the product worse, you know. But but this we'll see what they have. And they do have like I don't know eight or ten things that they're going to do differently. Um, and I read through them, and I'm thinking, man, they've they've certainly addressed the concern, or they've acknowledged the concern here. But um, I don't know that this is going to change anything. But um, I'll I'll go through just kind of summarizing what we have here. They they tell you what air tags are, of course. Um, you know how they say Apple Watch save lives, and they do that in ad campaigns and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. They they do that here too. They say thanks to AirTag and the Find My app, a customer who lost his wallet on the subway was able to track it down at a station across town. Oh, well, hold the phone, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't quite You're telling it. me that an AirTag managed to find a wallet on a subway? Like, Doesn't quite have the now same... Now, that uh, is some cra- crazy... There's no way we can sacrifice the AirTag for that for that situation. <laughs> like, that's yeah. not even saving someone's life. Right. He lost his wallet. And they're not particularly good for putting in a wallet either, so it's, you know, whatever. Um, they, they, they go on to say... Um, they say that they've... they've, they've become aware they say well, well they do invoke they do invoke their saving lives things because the other example is with the help of an air tag placed inside a medical kit a parent whose child lost critical medicine on the bus was later able to find it that's pretty good i mean it's pretty good but also like i didn't really like the way they open like that was the first paragraph it's like, we, we know people are concerned about being stalked but somebody lost their medicine and they found it so <laughs> you gotta take one for the team there um, yeah, maybe they should have put it at the end rather than the beginning. Like I don't know. Not like, at all. 
Yeah, it was kind of weirdly framed, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they, they blame society for the problem that, that they're having here. They say unwanted tracking has long been a societal problem, and we took this concern seriously in the design of AirTag. Um, they, they do mention that they're, they, call, they, they say we innovated the, uh, the first ever proactive system to alert you of unwanted tracking. I think that's pretty fair to say among all yep. of these things. It's true. And they say we hope the industry trend for others is, is to provide these sort of proactive warnings for their products as well. So, so far, so good for the most part. Um, they do say this next paragraph becomes to talk about the problems. And I think the ordering here is really weird. They say we become aware that individuals can receive unwanted tracking alerts for benign reasons, such as when borrowing someone's keys with an air tag attached or when traveling in a car with a family member's AirPods left inside. So those are, you know, it's pretty big sentence there. Give some examples. You know, they say that we're you're getting alerts that are, you're being tracked, but you're not actually being tracked. So, you know, okay. And then the end Which that, they could fix. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, having an actual solution where if you borrow someone's stuff, you can, like, add it to your Find My app temporarily for a day or for a week. Or if you're in someone's family, they can actually see the location of your accessories and, mm-hmm. you know, do it properly. Because right now you get ex- you get notifications for any uh, AirTag or Find My item that isn't in your family sharing group. The, the problem but, is that is that when you make family a blanket okay rule then then you then you increase the risk of you know families might be the one that's doing the stalking or you know un, unwanted tracking um because you could or say the, or you can only have six people in your family group like yeah you might want to have 10 people you want to share an air tag with for whatever like or if you're in a if you're in a if you're in like a dorm situation in an apartment sharing with roommates and stuff like you're not necessarily gonna have your roommates in the family group yeah but they're still going to get notified that you've been tracking them around because you're with them so like and, and that stuff although it's acknowledged in this paragraph they don't actually address that at all in the press release they that's, just pretend that, like that's not an issue that is true they, they pretend like they pretend like it is an issue and that's what we're all here to talk about today but, <laughs> you know and i was thinking too on, on this point that if if you're you know how the, there's that feature with wi-fi sharing where if you have a contact in your um you know contacts and you go to join a wi-fi network and and you know you're on the, that wi-fi you can give mm-hmm. them the password it's like i was thinking you know if, if the AirTag knows Apple ID. That one's in the contacts. And maybe this is just too, it's all obscured that it can't, can't actually happen this way. But if they're a contact in your you know account, then then you wouldn't have the same reaction, the same response from the AirTag as if it was a random stranger. Um, but again, the more you do that with, the more that you kind of let off on the security of it all. So, I mean, I think they should make it work like how car key works, right? So with car no key... No one knows what car key is, tell us. Well, okay, the theoretical description of car key says you can share your car with other people just by sending them an iMessage invite. They accept the invite and your key gets added to their wallet as well. Like, I think they should make the AirTag work like that. So it just registers so you can have it in multiple people's Find My at one time. Optionally, and you have to you know initiate it. But if you let them do it, then Bob's your uncle. Yeah. And, and back to the release. So again, let's just retrack here. They said, um, we become aware that individuals can receive unwanted tracking alerts for benign reasons. And then they give some examples. And I think that's, I think the point of that is to say that People are they're receiving alerts when they're not actually being tracked. Um, it's the false positive. It's the, right? it's the false it. positive, and they yeah. and they're aware of it. So you presume that in the future they'll address that, and so that you only see receive an alert if it's actually you know likely that you're <laughs> that you're being uh, uh, tracked. Um, and then the, the meat of that is then they say we also have seen reports of bad actors attempting to misuse AirTag for malicious or criminal purposes. And that's what this is all about. And that's why this is a story. That's why this is a story. <laughs> um, and then they've got some, some proposals. I mean, they said that they've been working with police on e- each situation of this so far. So 
you know, okay. Um, they they point out that each AirTag has a unique serial number, which is associated with an Apple ID. And so um, that if Apple subpoenaed or if there's a valid request from law enforcement, they can say they can figure out whose AirTag it was or who at least activated it. And then they even say that in some cases they found um, the perpetrator, someone who was uh, doing the stalking. And, and, and I don't know if there's one instance or more, but that that person was apprehended and charged. Um, so that's all talking about how it works so far. And by the way, there are some people on Twitter who think that the find my air tag stalking situation is completely manufactured and made up for like headlines. But Apple themselves have said they work with law enforcement and actually got someone charged. So clearly mm. it is happening to some, you know, to some rate or percentage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it then comes the changes that they're going to present. So um, the advancements coming to air tag and the find my network. Um, they say the following updates present or represent important steps Apple is taking. New privacy warnings during AirTag setup. The gist of this is that when you set up an AirTag, you, the person, will have to read a thing saying it's illegal in most places to stalk somebody. And you say, okay. So they, they hope that that will deter this from happening. Which I, you Yeah, know. And they, have, they have a screenshot. And so the, the mm-hmm. language is quite interesting, right? So it shows you, when you, when you register your AirTag, it shows you your Apple ID, phone number, and email address, your profile picture. And it says, using AirTag to track people without their consent is a crime in many regions around the world. AirTag is designed to be detected by victims and to enable law enforcement to request identifying information about the owner, and then you have to press continue to carry on. So this this um, mitigation, this safeguard, has been in the AirTag since the beginning, but when you set it up, it didn't tell you, so not many people really knew that the, Air, the Apple ID that's associated with the AirTag, if the AirTag is physically found, it can then be traced back to the Apple ID that created it. Apple doesn't know your location, and other Find My... Um, participants in the network, i.e., everybody else in the world, those individual like broadcasts on the Bluetooth signal, they don't broadcast your Apple ID. But if you get physically the AirTag, you can read the serial number on the AirTag, and that tracks back to the Apple ID it was registered with. Sure. So that's now basically being made more known. I.e., once you set up the AirTag, you're going to know for sure if someone else finds this, they could find out which Apple ID it's associated with. In coordination with law enforcement yeah but they're also telling you don't do bad things it's illegal and you have to say yes okay i won't do those things um addressing alerts for the airpods um so they say we've heard from users that that you can receive an unknown accessory detected alert so this is when it's not an air tag uh and then they, this is weird to me they say we've confirmed this alert will not display if an air tag is detected near you only airpods third gen pro max or third party find my network accessory can you explain what's happening here so is this like a bug yeah. and they've Heard about it and then they verified it or what? Right. So my understanding of this bullet point is when you have an air tag that's following you around, it says, you know, unknown air tag moving with you, right? And it has like specific copy specific to an air tag. It shows a picture of an air tag. It shows instructions for taking the battery out of the air tag, etc. Any other Find My Network product, including, I believe, like your Mac laptop, by the way, because um, obviously that's part of it in Find My as well. And if somehow your a laptop was following you around, it would also pop up. Uh, but obviously the most obvious cause of this are like AirPods, right? Um, if an AirPod or a third-party Find My accessory, like the Van Move bikes or the Chipolo tracker we talked about, if they're detected to be moving with you uh, and they're unidentified, it doesn't say unknown AirTag near, near you because it's obviously not an AirTag. But what it says is unknown accessory detected. And it has like a big question mark. And the way it's written in the current copy is that it could be confused to be an AirTag. 
because it doesn't say it's an air tag but the way it's written if you like if a, if a lay person sees that copy and then cross references with the headlines they've seen about air tag stalking they might immediately think that this alert here is referencing an air tag following you around not oh someone's accidentally dropped an airpod on the floor and it's mm. you know and you're near it or whatever so all they're doing here i believe is instead of it saying unknown accessory detected it will say airpods detected <laughs> moving with you okay so and that's it, the only change in a future update yeah in a future update, yeah. Uh, and then updated support documentation. So this is going to explain more about how all of this works. So um, no, stuff nobody will read. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that and those three bullet points are stuff they're doing like in so, the short term, i.e., the yeah. next update. Yeah. This ne- this next section is interesting. They say we're also investigating a series of updates that we plan to introduce later this year. But I've not heard that terminology from Apple, investigating a series of updates. Yeah. <laughs> that means they're not committing to do it, I guess. Sure. They, th- this is what they probably think that they should have said about CSAM stuff. We're investigating a way to do this. <laughs> um, you know, please give us your feedback now. So precision finding, um, you know, I, I wasn't sure this didn't exist already. But, you know, if you have your own AirTag and you have a supported iPhone that has this feature, the U1 chip, I guess, then you can, if you, you know, you can ping it with sound. You can know that it's near you, but it you know, you have this fancy user interface where you can get really close to it. It'll tell you how many feet away it is. Until yeah, the, you, the arrows UI. That yeah, thing. until you've located it. Well, apparently that doesn't work if you're just trying to find an air tag that's stalking you, that, that's traveling with you. So, you you know, if it's really hard to find, you know, even based on sound, you, you, you don't get the benefit of this feature. I'm not sure that this makes a big difference because I think the sound feature is probably pretty good um, in giving you an idea. And just to be told that there is one with you, then, you know, you get the idea of where to look. But... I will put back slightly because, say, if there was a news story that um, someone had got an alert that an air tag was following them and they assumed it was in their car somewhere, but they couldn't hear it and they couldn't find it with like a manual detailing and look around. Well, does it not so, give you a map at all? Like, because isn't precision... no, it just says it's nearby. Okay, okay. Because and, was... and like the, the accuracy of that is where you are but if it's on your car and it's like slipped in a tiny little like gas canister or you know inside the boot somewhere like you're not going to find it and if they've taken it if they've disabled the speaker if they've muffled the speaker that's a problem okay. so with precision finding there's sure. like, another way where if something's in your car you might be able to isolate it yeah and that's a good point and there, there were the stories this week of you know there's a whole market of air tags that have had the the vibration disabled so you can't have a, a sound emit from it yeah, you don't even need to buy a special <laughs> modified one. Yeah, like you, you can take an AirTag, and if you just tape it up, the it, the vibration thing stops working, so you can and, barely hear it. And not say that because you know here's how to do the bad thing, but people do that because they want to. You know, if you put it on your bike because you want to prevent theft, then you don't want it to alert somebody that they're being tracked with a stolen with your stolen object, you know, device. Um, so yeah, like obviously they should have allowed this to be done from the beginning. Because right now, if there's an unknown... Well, they might not. They're just investigating for now. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, well, I think they should have done this to begin anyway. Because right now, when you get that unknown accessory alert, uh, the unknown air tag alert, it lets you ping it so it can make a noise uh, proactively, but it doesn't have the precision finding option. So now they're going to add that, which is a nice improvement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, another thing that they're investigating is the possibility of displaying an alert with sound. They say when AirTag automatically emits a sound to alert anyone nearby of its presence and is detected moving with your iPhone, iPad, or iPod Touch, it will also display an alert on your device that you can then take action on, like playing a sound or using precision finding. So those two kind of go hand in hand. Um, yeah, this second bullet point, this is the one I don't understand because okay. they already do this. <laughs> this will help in cases where the AirTag may be in a location where it is hard to hear. 
uh, or the Airtex speakers of Tampa Wood. They, like that's the precision finding thing. Like, uh, let's see. They already show you an alert because that's how everyone's finding out that Airtags are following them. Like they, let's see. I, I took a screenshot recently of what my mom had because my mom had she was driving my car and I wasn't in the car with her and it was my car keys and so she got the alert that there were the car keys were moving with her. Um, and it's a safety alert. Your locate your current location can be seen by the owner of this AirTag. This AirTag may be attached to an item you are borrowing. If the AirTag is not familiar to you, you can disable it and stop it from sharing your location. Continue. I don't remember what happens when you continue, but maybe they're just saying that in that first box, you know, you'll, you'll say ping sound or yeah. position find. I, 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 I couldn't understand this particular book, but maybe yeah. I'm misreading it, but yeah. it just sounds like what they do already plus precision finding, which they talked yeah. about in the paragraph before. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, refining unwanted tracking alert logic. Okay. Our unwanted tracking alert system uses sophisticated logic to determine how we alert users. We plan to update our unwanted tracking alert system to notify users earlier than an unknown item or air tag or find my network accessory. Let me read that again because I'm confused. We plan to update our unwanted tracking alert system to notify users earlier that an unknown air tag or find my network accessory may be traveling with them. So this is just going to tell you sooner. Yeah, and this is a assuming they can update the system effectively. This is quite good because right now, if someone does try to stalk you, you basically don't get the alert till you get home, which is almost too late because now the person who's stalking you knows your home address. So yeah. if they can update their sophisticated logic to alert you in 20 minutes rather than two hours, maybe you haven't got home yet, so you know about it while you're out and about and you can you know, take defensive action as appropriate. Yeah, and this next one is quite subtle too, I believe. It's it's tuning air tag sound. They say currently iOS users receiving unwanted tracking alert can play a sound to help them find the unknown air tag. We will be adjusting the tone sequence to use more of the loudest tones to make an unknown air tag more easily findable. I think what this means is that like the, the sound you hear, so it's no speaker again, it's just the vibration from the air tag and it, it emits sound. Um, that like the marketing or like consumer side of it, you know, you're the AirTag owner, it's small sound, gets louder, gets louder. So the, you know, the longer you're looking for it, the more obvious it is. And it's like, kind of like, so that, you know, if, if you lost it and you immediately hear it, you pick it up and it's done. Or if you're really having trouble, then it gets really loud. Um, and it's just kind of like a cute, I guess, or like almost whimsy way of designing the sound for this, you know, the way that it works. And and they're acknowledging that, you know, if you're looking for it, not because you're trying to find your lost keys, but because you're trying to find something following you, then maybe we just start out with the loudest sounds. And maybe we make it, look, you know, not quite, you know, more unique to um, this problem. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, so now it would be the loudest noise immediately if it's un- if it's unidentified moving with you, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the gist of it. That's, that's all. <laughs> that's what they've done this release about. And I... You know, not not to be negative on this because any change I I, I can imagine is is gonna be positive here, but um I, I would I did come off with this with the feeling that okay they're they're addressing the concern I'm not sure that any of these things will change how things are working like it, it's just it's it's good to inform it's good to educate it's good to to spread you know this is how these things work and make it better and easier to to do the, learn these things but. Um, and, and they're all good ideas. I just don't think that that this is like when, when I saw the headline or saw like the the, pit, the pitch on this. It's like, what are they going to do? You know, let's some, some juicy change. Um, none of these things I think reach that level for me, and they certainly don't make the product worse to use. Which you know, depending on how you see it, I guess is good. 
but mm. um yeah but- i mean it's, it's kind of all this all of these bullet points they're nice improvements but they're kind of immaterial to the criticism that air tags are helping people get stalked around like basically nothing's changed on that basis like if you're a bad guy well now you get told up front that your apple id can identify you so maybe you're going to use a burner account and then that's about the same difference right and then maybe in the later update later this year that people who are getting stalked might get told they are being done so slightly sooner but it's not going to satisfy people that were you know saying that apple should stop selling the product because it's dangerous because the actual dangers basically survive and continue which kind of backs up what i said on the previous episode where it's like they've almost already done all the safety stuff they can do and at this mm-hmm. point it's like do they just turn off the firmware network and give up <laughs> like i don't know what they can do to actually make people happy but this isn't going to do it yeah i know. think the, the juiciest thing here is that they even acknowledged it because it's the first time they've they've done more than maybe like an mm-hmm. on background statement you know of just saying this yeah. is how our pod our tags work um this is a whole newsroom press release they, they have unwanted tracking in the headline of the press release um, it, it, I mean, I don't think I expect, I didn't expect this. So that, that's the meat of this for me is that they've even acknowledged and they put it all on the record. Um, but, but not but that. The one big thing left that they could do that they haven't said a word about in this press release is making it better for Android users to know if something's following them around because the tracker detect app from Apple is kind of stupid and that you have to have it open and actively press the button to see if there's anything near you. What they really need is like a more passive system, like what the iPhone can offer you, because it just alerts you on the lock screen, right? And that might require, you know, collaboration with Google or something to make it like built into the operating system or some kind of partnership or framework or common protocol. Uh, but there was no word of that at all in this press release at all, not even like we're investigating or anything. They just didn't mention it and yeah, nothing this, to announce on that basis. This is all in the world of iPhone users, which which they've, they've outlined a number of issues that they're aware of iphone users and so even if they made the uh, android experience safer which they need to do then that wouldn't affect any of these things and it's almost like i'm kind of thinking about it now more and it's that they've now outlined some problems they're making some changes but i don't think that i don't know that people are going to be satisfied with this uh if you weren't concerned before you won't be concerned even now um but if you were concerned i'm not sure that these things address that maybe there's some middle ground there but um don't don't think so yeah, I agree. I agree. Like I, I feel like I, I. Apart from the Android stuff, it's hard to me to think of something else that they're not doing. I.e., they're being deficient, but it's certainly not going to stop people from having legitimate concerns. And there will be more cases where Apple has to partner with law enforcement to find a bad guy. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's kind of, like what other Apple product when you set it up the first time says, "Do not use this in part of in as part of a crime." Like it's kind of a weird dichotomy they've got themselves into there like you know you can use your iphone for bad things but 99.99 percent of people don't so there's no need to have a little warning sign when you set it up but the air tag is clearly getting abused enough that they thought it's worth it to put that screen on there in the first place so you know it's it's, if anything it's just legitimized the concerns i'd say yeah and and there are i think apple talks about some of the groups that they're working with on this too and so you're going to see some positive pr come out of that and that's that's where I mean my tweet was that they're doing something about the perception, not about the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit about the problem, but not yeah. enough to overcome it all. Yeah, yeah. But that's the AirTag story. Happy Hour is also brought to you by Babbel. If you're starting a new year, it's a great time to start a new hobby. Whether it's saving money or losing weight or just getting organized, these are all the usual kind of things you do around New Year's resolutions. Now it's February. Have you been keeping up with your resolutions? Well, whether you have or you haven't, have you thought about learning a new language? 
Why not try learning with Babbel, the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions? All of the Babbel activities are addictively fun, fast to complete, and easy to do, slowly building vocabulary and understanding of your desired language. Babbel teaches language language lessons in bite-sized chunks for real-world use cases, so you can do it on the go in just a few minutes at a time. I signed up to try out their Spanish course, and the experience is really nice. Obviously, they start simple and ramp up in complexity as you go. And it's not just learning words rote. They have memory quizzes, connect-the-dot puzzles, and other kinds of activities to keep you engaged. And these activities are rich with images, text, and audio, so you can hear people say the words as you learn them. And they even have speech recognition technology integrated to test and train your pronunciation and accent. Other language apps use the AI to set up their lesson plans algorithmically, but Babbel lessons were created by 100 language experts. That's real people. And as well as lessons that you can access podcasts, games, video, and even some live classes too. So start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. You can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to babbel.com and use promo code HAPPYHOUR. That's babbel.com, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com, promo code HAPPYHOUR. That's Babbel, language for life. Thanks to Babbel for sponsoring the show. All right, uh, next up we have uh, this, this rumor that we can probably rely on because it comes from Mark Herman at Bloomberg that Apple will hold their spring event uh, on March the 8th. So we have a, a date to look forward to. Not an official announcement yet, but when Mark has a date, um, tends, tends to be pretty good. And, and also, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I think that one of the challenges is, is, is in the past, in like years past, you would see a date leak a couple weeks before the event, and then the event announced like a week before it happens. And those tended to be, like Apple wanted the press to know, and they wanted to get the word out. I think Mark's dates so tend to be like his just actual reporting, you know. Um, and so it, yeah, not not um, not leaked. Uh, yeah, not uh, what's the word? Intentional leaking. What's the? I'm I'm missing the phrase. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. And, and the thing where the company leaks out information because they want it to be reported in the wild. Mm-hmm. Why am I blanking on the term? But there's a term for it. Oh, oh no, uh, but but. But all that to say that um, you know, when I say that, that that this is probably you know pretty reliable, it's it's different than when it's a, an intentional leak from the company. Then um, this is actually Mark reporting, and so there's there's some subject for this to change. I would say that the controlled leaks. That's what I was trying to say. Welcome, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and this would be for the event for the iPhone SE uh, 5G, the iPad Air uh, fifth generation, and maybe a new Mac, whatever that means. So what's yeah. your, what's your what's your take on all this? I, I love Margo, but this was a bit was a bit funny. He said, Apple is, quote, playing a new Mac with Apple design chips that could also come as early as March. So, no, that is pretty vague. Like, obviously, Apple's working on new Macs. Obviously, they're all going to be Apple Silicon. But what Mac could it be? Is it going to be the upgraded Mac Mini, i.e. the one to replace the higher-end Mac Mini configurations that currently still sell with Intel? Uh, we saw, like, John Prosser and co. leak that kind of design last year which kind of looks like the iMac but in a Mac Mini format where you've got that kind of like plexiglass reflective top and the colourful aluminium around the bottom it could also be uh, the iMac Pro potentially like the high end iMac probably not the Mac Pro that's probably going to be a WWC announcement and then also this week there was reporting that Apple's actually going to rev the like not the MacBook Air but the macbook pro that's basically like the midway between an actual macbook pro and a macbook air so what used to be called like the macbook escape that thing um 
to that product with the, that has the only product currently in the lineup that still has a touch bar, that's also apparently not going away. It's not like a transitional thing. They're going to rev it with a new base model MacBook Pro with Apple Silicon. The touch bar will go away, obviously, but it's going to be like in between the current 14-inch and the MacBook Air. So that could be a candidate for what this new Mac is. I don't think the major upgrade to the MacBook Air, the you know the big redesign that's been rumoured, I don't think that's coming in March. It doesn't seem like enough rumours are supporting that. That's probably coming in the fall or something with an M2 chip. That's my guess. Uh, so if I was going to say there's going to be a new Mac in March, I'd probably bet on the Mac Mini update to finish off that lineup so they can stop selling those Intel configurations. Because something like the MacBook Air, like they're already on Apple Silicon, just because it's the old design, but yeah. it is Apple Silicon. There's more of an urgency to rev the Intel stuff. We've not so, yet seen a V2 of, of any Apple Silicon Mac yet at, at all, right? So all the original Apple M1 Macs, there's been no update to those, even yeah, if it's correct. even if it's something that isn't the chip. Um, I think it's also important to note here that, that when we talk about like M2. Um, what's the M1 based on? Is, is that the A15? 14. 14, okay. And now yeah. we're on 15 in phones? The, the the phones are on 15, yeah. Yeah, and so M2 is like, it's the max specific version probably of, of, of 15. The 15 cores, but, but obviously... But having, but having a bunch of the A14s is better than having one or a few A15s, is that right? Is that, yeah, exactly, because like yeah. the... The core it's basically the cores the core specification is from A14 and A15 generation, but obviously the M1 chip has like eight it's an eight core design, or if you go to the M1 Pro and M1 Max, it's a ten core design. Like when the MacBook Air comes out in the fall, it will have an M2 chip, but it'll probably still only be like four or eight cores. So, so having having a bunch of tasks, M- yeah, having a bunch of the M1 is to win. Yeah. yeah, having a bunch of M1s is better if you're high performance. Look, you look for that. Than having a single M2, and that's going to be a little bit awkward to talk about in, in market, I suppose. But you know, just nice to get that out of the way here. Yeah, and, and you know, eventually they'll have an M2 Pro and M2 Max, and then the base M2 will probably be faster at single core slightly, or something like, or more power efficient, right? Something along those lines. So they'll sort it out. They're, they're no stranger to that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like a, a, a spring Apple event is cool. Before Mark had said. They're looking at March or April. Now he's honed in on a March 8th date. Obviously, when events are virtual, and the, he says in this report it's going to be another virtual event, unsurprisingly, Apple has more flexibility to change time frames and stuff because they're not booking a facility. Not even Apple... Like when Even when they moved to Apple Park and they were doing uh, events on their own campus, there's more like, okay, we need to book the cleaners and we need to book the set dressing and all that stuff for this specific date. When they're just doing a video, they can film the video and they want to release it whenever they want, right? And they don't even need to do the controlled leak heads up of save this date in your calendar because you're going to come to fly Cupertino because there's, yeah. no, there's no problem with any of that stuff. So March 8th is a great like benchmark. If it slipped a few days, I'm not going to you know, say Mark got it wrong or anything. They can they can move it around. They've got that flexibility. Uh, but yeah, at the products at this event, the Mac is cool to see, assuming they do announce it. SE3, eh, whatever, F- add 5G. It's going to be the same as the current SE with a processor bump of 5G. iPad F5 will be nice to modernize it alongside with what the iP- the base cheap iPad and what the iPad mini currently have with like the faster chip and center stage and stuff. But again, no external redesign. And then I'm sure they'll have like some other services stuff they can throw in to announce. You mm-hmm. know, maybe, um, maybe, maybe, maybe. What's your maybe? You go first. Ooh. <laughs> 
I was going to say Apple Music Classic. Same, same. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so may- maybe that like could be some other stuff. I'm sure they could have some, you know, arcade news or fitness news if they wanted to and just slap it in there too. But again, we're just an SE3 and a Pad F5 and something else. That's enough for a video event, right? They can fill an hour with that and be done. So it might not be the most exciting video event they've done, but they can definitely justify event on that basis. Yeah, I look it, forward to that. The product know. should exist. Uh, I think is I think the service is event event that a lot of people didn't didn't like from afar. Um, this might be less interesting than even that, but uh, it's, it's on the level. Of, I mean, spring events are never never big. Flashy, yeah, so. <laughs> apart from like the Apple Watch one. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then also a product that we're not going to see in March, almost certainly, but we are going to see sometime soon, is the Apple Mixed Reality headset, AR and VR. And there are more references to that than ever that have been discovered because in multiple places in Apple open source code, uh, there have now found direct references to the name Reality OS. And as early as, you, you'll have to, uh, have to sit in your seat for this one, as early as 2017, Mark mm. Gurman at Bloomberg reported on the existence of reality os or ros inside of apple i do so, know some stuff i oh know five years on now it's coming to fruition for sure in the uh, dyld library that's open source on github uh it was temporarily up there in the repository and then it got pulled down but people screenshot obviously <laughs> and it talks about uh reality os platform or a simulator so and now now I can imagine there's going to be an app developers are knocking up ros apps i've seen on this yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I, a lot of the mockups I've seen are kind of like an iPad elements, kind of in like floaty windows or look like a Mac desktop, but floating in the air. Maybe that's what they do. Maybe, but I, I kind of imagine, at least in my like headspace, I've been imagining the AR headset with a UI closer to like an Apple Watch situation where it's more transient. Like you look, you, obviously with an Apple Watch, you look down or you get a vibration, but with the headset, maybe it just like appears a little notification in the corner. You see some information, you can respond to it. Some stuff's overlaid on the world potentially. And then if you do want to do like a VR experience, then you open like the equivalent of the home screen of apps and you click on something and you launch into it. I don't think they're just going to reproduce like a Mac desktop, uh, at least not in the first version. Maybe they'll do that down the road when people actually want to get proper work done with headsets on but i think the first version is going to be more about like communication entertainment and gaming and for me that gels closer to like the apple watch os design rather than like a mac or an ipad with like floating sidebars and stuff mm. but yeah reality os is almost becoming a reality before we thought it would be announced maybe at wwdc again mark german had a report a couple of weeks ago that those things had been delayed there'd been some issues so maybe now maybe now's the time maybe wdc anyway they're going to tease it maybe it'll be an event late in the year clearly they're ready they're revving up to actually announce this thing for real which would be nice after five plus years of rumors Mm -hmm. finally this week happy hour is brought to you by linkedin jobs in 2022 it is feeling harder than ever to find and hire the right candidates, especially for small businesses. So that's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. You can create a free job post in just minutes using LinkedIn Jobs and your post will reach your personal network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. 
And of course, filtering that big base of people is also important. So your job post is seen by the people that you want to hire. LinkedIn Jobs lets you set up screening questions to focus in on the candidates with just the right skills and experience for what you're looking for and target the most qualified applicants. Once you've got responses, LinkedIn Jobs offers some simple tools to quickly filter down and prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately who to hire. This is just some of the reasons why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one job site in delivering quality hires compared to the leading competition. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash happy hour that's linkedin.com slash happy hour to post your job to free terms and conditions apply thanks to linkedin jobs for sponsoring the show yep and last up we have this week a few updates of ios 15.2 uh, yeah. ios 15.4 beta 2 came out um before we talk about what's different there i will say last night i was at dinner i was on 5g had good battery percentage on my iphone and i updated to the second beta over 5G over cellular without having to be on Wi-Fi or connected to power. And that just felt freeing because <laughs> you can't do that without 5G. They don't let you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see the, the beta 2 wouldn't show up immediately like the day it was out. And so it was mm-hmm. like, let me just get this out of the way. I'm, I'm at dinner. I'm not going to look at my phone anyway. So it was nice. No, what's, what's, what's new in there? I'm so glad 5G's unlocked that incredible experience for oh, you. Oh, another, in no way would be technically possible on 4G either. In other carrier news, what's the name of the, what are the acronyms I sent you this morning? I was on uh, oh, AT&T RMZ LTE, RMZ. which is uh, AT&T Remote Mobility Zone, and uh, this is what they use for uh, disasters or disasters, really. <laughs> And, and you're near a disaster right now. I'm on the edge of America, and there's not really a good service here. So this is this is the solution. <laughs> it do was, you think uh, SpaceX uh, paid for it to be there? I do think you so. Said, didn't you say last time you came there was no service at all? That's correct. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's so good. Elon Musk is using some of his billions to. La- get la- you know, last time we said welcome to Mexico when I was here because it was so close. So you're, <laughs> you're wrong. I was like RMZ. That's not really a. You can't really. There's no Z in roaming, but <laughs> roaming zone. The disaster is, is Elon Musk is there. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 the truth. Um, what's new in fifteen point four beta two? Yeah, this is just some small stuff. So the tap to pay API is in the system now. Obviously, it doesn't really matter to most people because it's only going to be allowed for uh, explicit partners, as we talked about earlier, starting with Stripe. Um, there is a little tweak to the mask unlock situation. So now, if you are wearing a mask you've got set up your face id with mask unlock on the lock screen now if you're not directly looking at the screen of the phone it will just put a little indicator up there saying look down to unlock because basically with face id normal it uses your entire face to create the mathematical representation to compare against the thing in the secure enclave but when you're wearing a mask it's specifically looking at the space around your eyes and nose so if it can't see them it doesn't work. So just to help you guide you along that process, there's now an explicit message there, which is nice. Um, and then something I wanted to mention about 15.4 that we uh, didn't get to last week is that if you are using shortcuts and shortcut automation specifically, there's now a notify when run toggle. So, And I spoke about this because you remember last year I was talking about how I made a shortcut that would change my wallpaper to a random photo every day mm-hmm. at sunset. Mm-hmm. Well, I stopped doing that for... I got bored of it, so I turned it off. Mm-hmm. But... One of the reasons I didn't like it was that every sunset or every or every sunrise, it would say on the lock screen, 
change wallpaper shortcut running every single day after day after day and it's like yeah i set the automation up please just do it and don't tell me about it well with 15.4 they do actually let you in automations have a little toggle which says notify when run so if you turn that off you won't get a notification every single time the automation happens which is great but instead about once a week you get a little like summary of 20 notifications, 20 year shortcuts have, have run this week based on your automations, which I guess is probably a, a user privacy and security thing, just in case someone like hacked into your phone or got hands on your phone without you noticing and set up a shortcut you didn't want to happen. So, like, but one notification a week or a month or whatever is a lot better than one every single morning and night. So that's a nice, that's a nice improvement. Yeah. yeah. Can you can you disable that alert? Which alert? The the, the, the summary. The summary you can't disable. You can't just say like no no alert because like, is, is that no. like a typical notification or you can say don't allow. Notifications from it doesn't for the shortcuts app. Those notifications ignore that mm, option. Mm, there needs to be a shortcut for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's next here? Oh yeah, uh, in the in the feature leading Android Apple Music app, which for many months has had the crossfade option, which doesn't exist on iOS, right. and a lot of people wish it would. Me. Well, they're continuing to push the boat out because they leaked uh, the seeming name for the upcoming classical music app. Uh, this is when Apple acquired Prime Phonics last year and they added some classical music features into the music app with playlists and stuff, but they said they're making a dedicated Apple Music app for classical music coming early 2022. And in Android, uh, in the Android beta build of Apple Music, there's a string that quite literally says, open in Apple Classical. So it seems the name of the classical music app will not be Apple Music, it'll be called Apple Classical. Because Apple Music already taken, that's the name of the... Yeah, but why don't they call it Apple Music Classical? Because it's too long. <laughs> <laughs> Apple classical. Classical only references music. It doesn't represent anything else in the world. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. The iPod classical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was also, I believe, was some internal findings of URLs like classical.music.apple.com. So it definitely seems like they're starting the train to get it up and running. So again, that could be a candidate for the March event, if not even sooner. And then one thing I did want to highlight was... Obviously, we talk a lot about Apple products. We talk a bit about the, you know, the labor and the employee situation. And wait, 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 hang, hang on, can I make a joke? Yeah, it's, go for it's it. not about labor and stuff. Okay, they're going to call the iPhone SE iPhone Classical. Okay, move, along. <laughs> <laughs> move, move along. That's a good joke. I'm thank, glad you stopped me. Thank you. Voice. Thank you for laughing. I appreciate it. No worries. So yeah, uh, I'll be filing a HR report for bad jokes. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> Apple uh, HR department has been doing something, though, because we normally talk about Apple's employees in terms of the corporate side of stuff. And obviously, most recently, that's been about the work from home policy and all that baloney that's currently on delayed and on pause and deferred and who knows how that's going. But obviously, a big part of Apple's workforce is the retail sector. Zach Hall, many years mm-hmm. ago, was mm-hmm. indeed in this group as an Apple genius mm-hmm. at the Apple store. Oh, and a genius, uh, that's pretty clever though but one thing that seems that apple has done which seems to be all good and there doesn't really seem to be any downside is they have dramatically improved the benefits they're now offering to part-time and full-time retail employees including improved sick time and in extra vacation time so uh, you get double pay sick days now for both full-time and part-time workers so that now full-time workers get 12 paid days 12 paid sick days instead of six Uh, all workers receive more annual vacation days uh, beginning at three years in employment instead of five. Part-time employment, part-time workers now get as many as six paid vacation days for the first time ever, and they get paid parental leave. 
And part-time workers will also get access to discounted emergency backup care for children or elderly family members. So in the light of the pandemic, in the light of the workforce changing and all that stuff, stuff, it's nice that Apple seems to have given some pretty big boosts to its benefits for the retail sector that we don't talk about enough, really. But The, the, per, the parental time off, that, that, that was one thing that stuck out to me as important, especially here. And, um, and, and surprising that there wasn't already something for this. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Apple, like Apple retail, you get paid decently, but it's not you're, Apple you're, corporate. No, your yeah. your benefits and your other like status in the organization is about the same as any yeah, company yeah. that has a retail presence. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's, it's it's a really big gap. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, yeah, in in both senses of the word, mm-hmm. metaphorical uh, gap. App, Apple TV Plus got some awards. Yeah, just to round out, but, which is we, what Apple, TV Plus exists to get awards, right? Yeah, totally. They don't, they don't want people to actually watch them. They just want awards. <laughs> but uh, whilst they still struggle to get people to watch them, I'd say, uh, they are being collecting awards by the, do- by the dozen. Uh, obviously, the Oscar nominations were this week, and Apple has only been eligible for the Oscars twice, this year and the previous year. Uh, last year, they got two nominations and no wins, and the nominations were for, like, Best Sound and Best Animated Feature. Now, Nothing about nothing against sound or animation, but the most prestigious awards are not those categories. I like I, you know, I have nothing against it, but if you look at like the industry, what people care about is like best picture, best director, best actress, best best leading actor. Those are the, the awards that have the status attached to them. And in its second year, i.e., this year, uh, Apple TV Plus has actually secured a Best Picture Oscar nomination. So their original film Coda, which is the one they bought out of Sundance about a year ago uh, that has an official oscar best picture nomination and in total they got 12 nominations uh, sorry six total nominations for the company uh, three for coda and three for the tragedy of macbeth so i think they're going to be pretty happy with that like a lot of people in the hollywood like the hollywood uh, critics of apple's strategy when the sundance news came out that apple had bought it for the record setting 25 million they were like, mm-hmm. oh, Apple's dumb money. They're just paying money for no reason. Why have they overpaid for this thing? But I'm sure they're pretty happy that a year on, they're now getting best picture recognition for it. So for them, it'll be money well spent for sure. Yeah. I yeah. Can't, can't believe you thought, I can't believe that you thought I brought the EMAC to the beach. I mean, <laughs> it seems so, it was so out of my headspace that. It was just there. That's fair. That's fair. I should. I, I should just Steph or someone had uh, dropped it off. As a I should add a disclaimer that I didn't do that. You know, didn't do that. <laughs> That's I, what the picture looked like because it was such a perfect framing against the space, uh, yeah. you know, installation in the back. Yeah. A little Mac reference in the foreground. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty good flex. I'll give you that. Well, yeah, I need. I need. I'm now I'm less. Now I'm maybe less impressed that you just came across it and you didn't set it up. <laughs> I do have, a, I do <laughs> no, have an old, old Macintosh I could bring. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm gonna uh, uh, head off and listen to see what Elon Musk has to say about this this Starship rocket tonight. Did we- you see uh, Tesla design chief say that Apple's got nothing interesting? I did. Did, did see that. I wrote the headline for that. I wonder if Tesla's got anything interesting. <laughs> SpaceX in this case. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm really, I'm really proud of Space Explorer that we're um, at, at this event and, and, and invited to it and um, get to see it because a lot of what we get to go to for uh, SpaceX for Starship is um, is, is anyone in the public can just go. You know, it's it's visible from you know the ground up to the sky. In this case, it's specifically a media event, and um, me and Seth are here, so and uh, looking, looking forward to attending tonight. So um, nice, nice, nice. Check out spaceexplorer.com if you're interested. <laughs>
that is the happy hour podcast for the week. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe in uh, uh, Apple Podcast. You can get the ad-free version for four ninety nine a month. Um, just follow the show if you don't subscribe there. We appreciate anyone who supports our sponsors. Uh, if you have any feedback for the show, you can email Benjamin and I together at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ApolloZach. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. And Benjamin, you're on Twitter at? B-Z-A-Man. And we will talk to everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.